Good morning and welcome to a very special edition of Sacred Space here on a beautiful Christmas morning. My name is Lorraine Buckley and I'm joined in studio by some wonderful guests who are smiling at me and bouncing up because, oh Shane, come on, you are smiling at me this morning. The wonderful Shane Ambrose. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, Lorraine. You can now, my dear. <laughs> I've, I've had too much chocolate already this morning. Yeah, I'm gathering that much. <laughs> I'm also joined in studio this morning by the wonderful Don Keeley. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to be with you this morning. Um, I don't know how I'm going to really be able to control these guys this morning. I think all I'm going to do is safe bet, stay behind the controls this morning. Yeah. Leave to you two off because where you're going to go, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. And of course, we have our prayer powerhouse, our mammy, and the person who takes such good care of us during with the year. With cake and tea. With, with cake and tea. With cake and tea. The wonderful Anne Keeley. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Lorraine. Good morning, listeners. Happy and Christmas. Happy Christmas. A very, very Merry Christmas to all our listeners out there this morning. And before we can begin the programme, we have so many contributions this morning, so many beautiful reflections and plenty of Christmas carols and some poetry. And of course, the most important part of the programme, our usual reflection on the gospel for Christmas Day. So we hope that you will stay with us for the next two hours as you're preparing your Christmas dinner. Go on, draws on. Stay on with us for the next two hours and ignore the Pope. You can catch him later on. (laughs) (laughs) So our first uh, reflection, just to bring us into a prayerful start to the morning, is a beautiful Christmas prayer by Sister Margaret O'Sullivan. So let's have a listen to this. Irish people have an age-old custom of lighting a candle in their windows during Christmas. This gesture symbolises a welcome for the Holy Family and it also symbolises a welcome for the stranger. So, this Christmas morning, may the warmth of the Christmas candle shining from our homes radiate a ray of hope, a spark of joy, a glow of love to all of Earth's inhabitants who are lonely, in pain, grieving, or homeless this Christmas morning, as we pray. Emmanuel, God with us, we welcome you, small child of Bethlehem, whose coming we have awaited in hope. We know that the promise is hidden in the stable at Bethlehem. We look for your saving grace there. Today and every day, May we look for small signs of your presence in our daily lives. May the message of the first Christmas touch our hearts again and again. Your coming, Jesus of Bethlehem, Jesus of Nazareth. Your coming among us is to remind us that we are loved, cherished and treasured and that you abide with us always and everywhere. Amen. Amen. And we're going to play one of our favourite Christmas carols first this morning. It is Unto Us a Child is Born, taken from Handel's Messiah. Oh, 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 oh,
Welcome back, listeners. You should have just seen the studio here when that piece of music started. Do you ever, do you ever see the Muppets dancing? Yeah, you had an idea what it was like. Listen, but anyway. listen, listen. John and I are accomplished dancers. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, folks, that was Unto Us a Child is Born, uh, from, taken from Handel's Messiah. And one of the reasons we played that first thing this morning is, of course, it is taken. It is a musical interpretation of the reading from Messiah, which would have been the first reading at last night's Midnight Mass. And it's a beautiful piece, a uh, beautiful interpretation interpretation of that piece of scripture. So now, John, next up we have a reflection from sometime commentator to the programme and panellist, Martina O'Sullivan, and she's uh, reflecting on the crib and on the shepherds this Christmas morning. So um, I'm sitting here in front of my beautiful crib and um, 
looking at the uh, beautiful scene where our blessed lady is kneeling and beside her the, her baby Jesus, who's just been born, and um, St. Joseph is standing over her, looking adoringly at Jesus, but also uh, looking adoringly at our blessed lady. And I'm looking at the um, humble shepherds all kneeling, um, just astonished at what they see. And behind them is the, is the star which guided, uh, which guided the wise men. So um, I suppose what's coming to me uh, very clearly and strongly is just the beautiful gift of peace that's within this little stable, albeit humble, albeit um, an animal stable, but yet that our Lord came uh, and became human for us so that we may be saved and inherit heaven. And he entered into a, an animal stable for us. And, you know, it didn't matter. Um, such joy and happiness and love and respect. And, you know, this was no ordinary child that um, that was in the stable. He was the Lord of all, our, our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and uh, whose kingdom will have no end. And we have to believe this because this is written in Scripture so many times. Um, and yes, if we follow him and grow in holiness, we will be with him um, forever in heaven. And this is his wish for all of us. So um, this Christmas, I suppose uh, my prayer is that this gift of peace that was within this cave on Christmas night, that this would be granted to each and every family and home, but especially to all the people who may be sick in hospital, in nursing homes, or even in their own homes, on their own with nobody. So, and to just be mindful of the fact that, you know, Jesus comes very especially for you too. And he is with you, but you you also have the power of your guardian angel. So just know that and believe in it. And just something that I came across um, during the week there, you know, we associate Christmas with giving gifts. So a lovely little verse about give the following gifts. To your enemy, give forgiveness. To your opponent, give tolerance. To a friend, your heart. To a customer, give service. To all men, give charity. To every child, a good example. To yourself, respect. And now, we'll just of the first Noel.
Arts. And of course, we have to thank Keen O'Sullivan very, very much for playing so well the first Noel on the keyboard before going into that rendition of the first Noel by the priest. Keen actually went to the bother of learning that, especially so that he could play it on Sacred Space on Christmas morning, Keen. So thank you very much for that. Happy Christmas, Keen. <laughs> Happy Christmas, Keen. And of course, our next contributor needs no introduction really to anybody on our programme. He is a regular contributor and the parish priest of Newcastle West. Father Frank Duhigg, who is going to tell us a true story this Christmas. So, John, you, you asked me to come along with a little uh, Christmas reflection and I've been pondering a little bit about it and, and I think what I'd like to do uh, is to to tell you a true story, a, a story I can vouch for that's happened not too far from here, um, that every detail of the story is true. And it's against the background of that line in the Christmas Gospel, there was no room for them at the inn. A number of years ago, in, as I say, not too far from here, at about 10 o'clock at night, an old man of the road, you don't see them very much now, but they were common one time, uh, came along and it was pouring rain and he knocked at the door and the woman at the house went out and he said, any chance of a cup of tea? And she said, come in. And so she got him to take off his coat and put it in front of the fire to dry it and she made sandwiches for him and his couple of mugs of hot tea and about an hour later, he got up to leave and is into the 11 o'clock now or so. And, um, and as she opened the door to let him out, it was raining even heavier. And she said, I'm no Christian if I let that man out into that place tonight. So she invited him back in. She said, I have no room for you. I have no bed, but you can lie here. I'll br- I have a mattress. I'll bring it out in front of the fire and you can sleep there for the night. And he was so grateful. He stayed there. He stayed there for the next four months. He went off traveling. And I think it was for 15 years he came every year around November time and stayed through the winter and went off and traveled the roads and did his begging and came back each night to stay in that house. I think it was 15 years. And eventually when he died... The family buried him in their own grave, and I know that grave. I know exactly where he's buried. It's a true story. This is a case where there was room for him at the end, but I was reminded of it when I saw, when I just reflected on that line in the, in the Christmas story. There was no room for them at the end. There was room for this man of the road. There was room for Christ in this man.
Welcome back. That was a lovely reflection from Father Frank Duhigg there on Christmas. And the piece of music that was after it was God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. And it was sung <clears throat> from his Christmas al- album by Alad Jones. I was just saying to Lorraine in the studio, you could just imagine that one. That's The tradition is that's associated with the probably 16th, 17th century. And carols are very much associated with Ireland and the UK. Not so much on the continent. Uh, parts of France, yes, but it, that's one that you could actually picture, you know, people marching down the street, banging the drum, singing it, you know. But anyway, <clears throat> so the next piece of music, that, or the next reflection that we have from a contributor during the year is from Geraldine Creighton. And Geraldine is going to give us a reflection on Bethlehem and a visit that she made there a number of years ago and the thoughts it inspired. And it's followed by uh, Cliff Richard singing O Little Town of Bethlehem. I'm so delighted to be able to spend some time with uh, listeners Today, uh, the special, special day, I was privileged a number of years ago to be in, in Bethlehem and to see the place where Jesus was born. It was just so, so simple. In fact, to go into the church, you had to bend down and uh, go under a very low arch in order to go even further down stairs to get to the place where Mary gave birth to Jesus, the light of the world. And when just we think about Jesus, why he came, he came for love of me and for love of you. And the Bible talks about him coming into darkness. And this time of year, of course, it's dark on the outside. Where we, we have the hope of the light coming with uh, the change in season. But in fact, with Jesus, the light has come. And this light is, is our glory. The beautiful expression from St. Irenaeus, who talks about a person fully alive uh, is the glory of God. So when we are singing with the angels, glory to God in the highest, what we're saying is that a person who is living life to the full uh, is the person who is bringing glory to God by by the way they live and by the way they embrace life in its richness, in its, uh, in its uh, difficulty. Uh, but it's a difficulty in which we are accompanied. We're not on our own. I have the joy of being involved in in a community called the Emmanuel Community, and the word Emmanuel means God with us. 
And in everything we go through, he is the one who is with us, not with us in a passive way, but active. So in, in our community, we describe the fact that, in fact, we have Christmas every day because we have the experience of God with us every day. But it's not just for the community. It's for uh, the, the church, the entire church, and for the entire world. God has not abandoned us. And I suppose Jesus came when he came into a, a world of darkness. And when we look around us, there is a lot of darkness around, a lot of suffering, a lot of violence, um, a lot of hatred. But Jesus comes into the same world today in our own hearts as we accept him. And he said, Jesus said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will have the light of life. So we're choosing to follow him to receive this light, but not to hold on to it for ourselves. When we think about light, it it brings, uh, first of all, our, our eyes are drawn to light and light reveals, light exposes, light warms and it's somewhere. You turn a light on, you can feel at home, in fact, somewhere. Light can show us a path. And so when we're, we're following Jesus and choosing to listen to his words and allow them to go deep into our hearts, choosing to do what he says, to love our neighbor, to forgive our enemy, enemies, uh, we are choosing to, with his help, live a life that is going more and more into the light. So, uh, listeners, I pray for you, I pray with you, that you may be more alive now than last year, for, with, with the, the glory of God, that you may be filled with the light that he brings that you may open your hearts with me to the light of his truth, the light of his love, the light of his hope for the year ahead, but just for right now, that his light that brings peace that nobody can take away. May God bless you richly. The song I've chosen about uh, John to play is one I really love. Um, it's uh, Old Little Town of Bethlehem, but it's Cliff Richard singing it. And this song for me is full of the joy of Bethlehem where we're invited to look, to be with Jesus and just delight in the fact that he's come just for me to bring me light, to bring my life to light, to the, to the brightest of light. In fact, to, uh, to, to, that I may live my own uniqueness and uh, transform the world in my little way. So God bless you.
Richard playing Oh Little Town of Bethlehem. Um, that should have woken a few people up this morning if you were starting to doze off a small bit from the programme. <laughs> now, 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 behave. Yeah. So, right, our next little reflection is from a friend of the programme, of course, who has since left um, the diocese, and that's Noreen Lynch. So Noreen's going to give us a small reflection. And then afterwards, we're going to play what is a standard tradition on Sacred Space's Christmas Day programme. And uh, we've done it for the last, I think, five years, John, six yeah, years, right. where we have a recitation of... Um, uh, Christmas Childhood, the Patrick Kavanagh poem, and what we have this year is it's actually a recording of Pat- Patrick Kavanagh saying the poem himself. Okay. The Christmas Reflection. I love Advent and Christmas and everything about it. I lived for some years in Munich, which is the capital of white Christmases, so for a while I, I learned to really love the simple circle of candles at home the Christmas preparation with the twinkly lights up maybe one week, the tree another week, you know, meeting friends for catch-ups, all of those things that made it feel like Advent and then feel like Christmas, the gathering of family, the togetherness of the routines of Christmas, even the simple honesty of living together, all these adults and children, for a few days in one home as we visited each other. This year is different. I moved house and all my holiday decorations were packed away. I have no idea where they are amid the boxes and little energy to search the attic. So at the start of December, I was berating myself and saying, how can it be Advent if I don't have my stuff? How would I know it was Christmas if the tree wasn't up? I decided to try something different this Advent, this Christmas. I decided that maybe the invitation was not to dig all the stuff out of the attic in order to have Christmas, but maybe to immerse myself in Christmas as much as I normally immersed my home in Christmas decorations. Throughout the weeks coming up to this Christmas time, I noticed more and more people don't decorate homes for Advent or Christmas. Maybe they're single and traveling at Christmas. Maybe they won't be in their own house on Christmas Day. Maybe they don't want to draw attention either to the season or different family reasons their circumstances, or maybe they don't want to draw attention to their home. And I began to ask the question, how do we know it's Christmas 
without the stuff of Christmas, without the tree, the crib, the different bits and pieces that we put out in a conscious way to help us to be present to Christmas. I began to ask myself, what's the interior decorating of Christmas, the starlight for our souls? How do we know it's Christmas without stuff? And I found myself returning to Patrick Havanagh's very beautiful poem, A Christmas Childhood. I'll read just a couple of verses. Kavanagh says, My father played the melodeon outside our gate. There were stars in the morning east, and they danced to his music. Outside in the cowhouse, my mother made the music of milking. The light of her stable lamp was a star, and the frost of Bethlehem made it twinkle. A water hen screeched in the bog. Mass-going feet crunched the wafer ice on the potholes. Somebody wistfully twisted the bellows wheel. My child poet picked out the letters on the grey stone. In silver, the wonder of a Christmas townland. The winking glitter of a frosty dawn. My father played the melodeon. My mother milked the cows. And I had a prayer like a white rose pinned on the Virgin Mary's blouse. As I listen to Patrick Havanagh's poem over the last few weeks, I'm reminded of that first reading in the second Sunday of Advent at the start of, of December, where the prophet Baruch says, Jerusalem, take off your dress of sorrow and distress and put on the beauty of the glory of God forever. Wrap the cloak of the integrity of God around you. Put on the diadem of the glory of the eternal on your head, since God means to show your splendor to every nation under heaven, since the name God gives you forever will be peace through integrity and honor through devotedness. And remembering that reading, I think that our beauty is, is not so much in how we decorate our homes, but in the love we share with one another. And as Christians, our cloak of integrity is not the, the presence that we purchase it's how we remember one another in prayer and how we live honestly together in this time. Our glory is not the best Christmas turkey. Our glory is God's love for us, which is a gift that we cannot earn, but that we can simply enjoy. This Christmas, our splendor is in knowing that we are beloved, that we are loved by God, loved so much that God could not stay separate from us, but instead sent his son to us so that we might be even closer to God. God closer to us. So however you spend your Christmas, in a house full of decorations, or in a simpler place, Merry Christmas from a world full of melodian players, families going to Mass, doing the regular chores like milking the cows, time spent with friends of a world full of beauty and of hope. Merry Christmas, and may the year ahead be blessed. One side of the potato pits was white with frost. How wonderful that was, how wonderful. And when we put our ears to the paling post, the music that came out was magical. The light between the ricks of hay and straw was a hole in heaven's gable. An apple tree with its December glinting fruit we saw. O oh, you, Eve, were the world that tempted me to eat the knowledge that grew in clay and death the germ within it. Now and then I can remember something of the gay garden that was childhood's. Again, the tracks of cattle to a drinking place, a green stone lying sideways in a ditch, 
or any common sight the transfigured face of a beauty that the world did not touch. My father played the melodeon outside at our gate. There were stars in the morning east and they danced to his music. Across the wild bogs his melodeon called to Lennons and Callens. As I pulled on my trousers in a hurry, I knew some strange thing had happened. Outside in the cowhouse my mother made the music of milking. The light of her stable lamp was a star and the frost of Bethlehem made it twinkle. A water hen screeched in the bog. Mass-going feet crunched the wafer ice on the potholes. Somebody wistfully twisted the bellows wheel. My child poet picked out the letters on the grey stone, in silver the wonder of a Christmas townland, the winking glitter of a frosty dawn. Cassiopeia was over Cassidy's hanging hill. I looked, and three wind bushes rode across the horizon, the three wise kings. An old man passing said, Can't he make it talk? The melodeon. I hid in the doorway, and tightened the belt of my box-pleated coat. I nicked six nicks on the doorpost with my penknife's big blade. There was a little one for cutting tobacco, and I was six Christmases of age. My father played the melodeon, my mother milked the cows, and I had a prayer like a white rose pinned on the Virgin Mary's blouse. By Noreen Lynch on the true meaning of Christmas, followed by Paddy Kavanagh's A Christmas Childhood. Next up, we have a lovely reflection from Sister Margaret O'Sullivan, followed by Away in a Manger by James Calban. A little reflection on this Christmas morning. Over the hills, the shepherds hurried to honour their newborn king. Seeking the manger where he lay, and each a gift did bring. One had a lamb, and one had grapes, and one brought a woven shawl. But there was a ragged shepherd boy, and he brought nothing at all. All he had was a thin tin whistle, all he could do was play. And all he knew was a little tune that he whistled all the day. He had no goodly gift to give, no splendid deed to do. Would they let him play for the little Christ, the only tune he knew? The shepherds knocked. On creaking hinges the door of the stable swung. Soft felt the light on the scene within from where the lantern hung. Here was the angel's word fulfilled, And the shepherds cried with joy, And each had a goodly gift for the Christ, Save the little shepherd boy. All he had was a thin tin whistle, All he could do was play, And all he knew was a little tune That he whistled all the day. But Mary looked at him tenderly, And so did Joseph too. Perhaps They would let him play for the child, the only tune he knew. The oldest shepherd offered the lamb, another the shawl of wool, a third the grapes, then came the fourth with a jar of honey full. Behind them all knelt the ragged boy, giftless and shy, 
But soon he raised his eyes to the child divine and started a trembling tune. That was Away in a Manger by James Gulban. I'm smiling here because John is reminding me, of course, that Sister Margaret's 
grandniece, Ellie, played that beautiful piece away in a manger before leading into the music. Well done, Ellie. Well done, Ellie. Happy Christmas to Ellie. Happy Christmas, Ellie. So the next piece of music that we have, or the next reflection we have, rather, <coughs> beg your pardon, is from Sister Mary Grace. And, of course, Sister Mary Grace is one of our, what we call affectionately, our Nashville Dominicans, uh, the sisters that are inside in the Dominican Church on Glentworth Street. And it's followed, the, the reflection is followed by a piece called Emmanuel, God Has Come by Don Moen. And uh, he is an American composer. So we'll just have a listen to this. Hello and happy Christmas from the Dominican Sisters in Limerick. A lot of times people struggle around the time of Christmas. It's a big time of family, um, a time of celebration. But it also brings to mind past hurts or grievances or loss. And I think when we when we look at a normal crib, we see this beautiful picture of Our Lady and Joseph and, and our Lord Jesus. Um, and we get the idea that they had it all together, that it was perfect. But I think we forget that this, the circumstances around our Lord's birth were very difficult. Mary and Joseph were on their way. They were kind of in exile. They weren't in their hometown. And they couldn't find a place to sleep, to sleep for the night. So our Lord was born into this very situation of being far away from home. Um, and the conditions weren't, weren't conducive to a, a safe delivery of a baby. And then even after his birth, we, we read in Scripture how Joseph and Our Lady fled to Egypt. They fled to a whole different land. Our Lord, His Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, they knew difficulty and hardship. And I think that's important for us to remember, that even in the hardship, they are united with us. That our Lord is with us in whatever we're experiencing. The joys, of course, but also the sorrows and the suffering. And so we can, we can remember that his very name, what we hear over and over in, this, in Advent and in Christmas, we hear Emmanuel. What does that mean? But God with us. That is who Jesus Christ is. He is God with us. In whatever circumstances we might find ourselves this Christmas season, let us remember that he is with us. He's with us in the joy. He's with us in the suffering. God is with us, and he saves. That's what his other name means, Jesus. God saves. So let us trust him. Let us um, come to him with great faith that he is with us, and he will conquer any any sufferings, any any um, sorrows that we might have. God bless you during this Christmas season. Christmas is about His grace. Christmas is a gift of love our Father gave us. More than just another story about a special time and place. Christmas is a time to lift a song of
Emmanuel, God Has Come by Don Moan, after a lovely reflection there from Sarah's sister, Mary Grace. Um, and of course, the, the Dominican sisters there are helping to, are helping out in um, the, what was, it's the parish of St. Saviour's, isn't it, Lorraine? Yeah, I couldn't think of the technical term, technical name of it. So the next piece now that we have is actually a small piece of poetry. And it's a very familiar poem to many people, and it's called Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening by Robert Frost. And of course, um, the it's 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 in one sense it's a very simple poem but technically it's rather a difficult poem but it's so it's a very appropriate one i think for this time of the year and what we have the version that we have here is it's recited by alan leach and it's taken from the murray christmas uh cd which was published or brought out there by rt a couple of years ago so we'll just have a listen to this stopping by woods on a snowy evening Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening by Robert Frost Whose woods these are I think I know His house is in the village though He will not see me stopping here To watch his woods fill up with snow My little horse must think it queer To stop without a farmhouse near Between the woods and frozen lake the darkest evening of the year. 
he gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds a sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. And that was Stopping uh, by Woods on a Snow Evening by Robert Frost. And now we're going to have the Exmoor singers singing Candlelit Carl. And welcome back. That was um, the Exmoor singers singing, <coughs> excuse me, Candlelit Carol. And I think for me, that's got to be one of my more um, favourite uh, carols for over the Christmas season. And it was one I only came across myself a couple of years ago. Now, the next uh, reflection that we have on the programme this morning is actually from a contributor we had on a couple of weeks ago. And that is Martina Lahan Sheehan. And she's going to give us a nice, refle- a, 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 you know, kind of a mindfulness reflection this morning for Christmas Day. And it's followed then by Charlotte Church singing um, Silent Night. So um, on, on Christmas Day, I suppose we think of the shopping finished and the waiting over and the decorations up. And I think it's all about savouring moments, uh, savouring 
what Ignatius of Loyola calls moments of consolation. And moments of, of consolation are, they're not usually long-lasting moments. They can be just a smile, a uh, sound of a uh, Christmas carol on the radio, flicker of a candle. And they're just momentary very often, but they fill us with memories and fill us with joy. And we need a sort of childlike wonder to be really receptive to those moments on, on Christmas Day. I think it's a real time for uh, letting in the light letting in light, knocking on our hearts, Christ knocking on our hearts, and opening to that light on Christmas Day. I think there's always the danger that we try to force positivity on Christmas Day um, when actually other things get triggered as well, and often loss gets triggered, and those that are missing at the, the Christmas dinner. So maybe instead of trying to force ourselves to get rid of sad memories or anything, to just bring them into the light as well and to uh, create a receptive space uh, for remembering those we have loved and lost and indeed for the shadows in our own hearts. But this is the time, this is the day of Emmanuel, uh, God incarnated not just into history but into our very being, into our, our hearts. And I'd just like to share a little memory and a reflection on um, a Christmas night that I experienced in 2004 and how it lives on in my own heart at Christmas. And I think other people might be able to relate uh, to something in it. Uh, it was the middle hours of the night, uh, Christmas night 2004. The moon uh, washed the world in silver. The roofs were covered in frost, glistening under the stars. And we were traveling in silence, a certain tension filling the air because we had just got the phone call to say that my mother was very weak and that we had better come to the hospital now. So apart from the faint sound of the car radio playing Silent Night, the world was indeed very silent. I wondered, will I make it on time? Will she make it? My mind full of what I will say, what will she say, until my thoughts were interrupted suddenly by the startling ring of a mobile phone and heard the voice, Martina, she's gone. It went over and over in my mind, Mom is gone. The world seemed to stop breathing now and there was no hurry. The power of the engine laboured. My own thoughts kept thinking she's gone. I stared vacantly out the window across the snow-covered field and suddenly my eyes rested on a little glimmer of light in a far distant window. I began to wonder if maybe there was another world beyond the silvery stars, beyond this blanket of snow. Maybe another world keeping the light on for Mum on this Christmas night, waiting for her. The voice in my head, she's gone, was replaced with a voice that said, she's home. And I kept memories going round in my mind of other Christmas nights, travelling home, looking forward to the smell of ham on the boil and of mum's potato stuffing and the plum pudding she made. Those Christmas homecomings would be no more. 
But when I think back now of that Christmas night, while no less painful, and I think of my mother's death, I also think of the silver stars, snowy moon, and most of all, that little faint light on in the window. It's no less sorrowful, but somehow beauty surrounds it. It's as if the memory is now covered in some kind of silver lining. And somehow it's dancing both the joy and the sorrow together in my heart. So each Christmas day and each Christmas night, every time I hear Silent Night playing, I think of that silver silent night when my mother left me and the light in the window said, She's home. So maybe on Christmas Day especially, to make space for remembering those, uh, even those sad memories, befriend the mystery. The poet Cahal Gibran says, Our joy is our sorrow unmasked. They come from the self-same well. In other words, our sorrow is also the place of our joy. So we need to bring them all to the light of Christmas Day, to the joy of Emmanuel, God with us, bringing light into the shadows. And maybe we'll find, like I did, that there's a silver lining in even our saddest losses and empty chairs at Christmas. So I hope that you have a wonder-filled childlike day where your heart opens to the mystery, where you hear Christ knocking on the door of your heart and something in you learns to play again, to notice the little moments again and to allow a little bit of healing into places where you might feel alone or grieving. So I hope this Christmas day will be truly Emmanuel for you.
And that was Charlotte Church singing Silent Night, even, uh, to close out that reflection from Martina Lahan Sheehan. And I have to say, John, that was a very touching uh, reflection, particularly because I suppose Christmas can be a difficult time for people. It's a time of memories and remembrance, and especially for people where this year might be the first year there might be a space or a gap at the kitchen table. Uh, which might not have been there last year. So, of course, we think of those people particularly this morning as they get through this Christmas day. So now we come to the, I suppose, key part of the Sacred Space 102 FM uh, Christmas Day programme, or all our programmes which we do, and that, of course, is the reading and reflecting on the Gospel of the day. So this morning what we're going to do is we're taking the infancy narrative, or the Christmas narrative, from the Gospel of St. Luke. And uh, for people that have been at Mass, this this is the readings taken from the Midnight Mass and the Dawn Mass. And we're going to read and reflect on that over the next while now. So I'm going to invite Anne to uh, read the prayer for us that we normally pray before reading and reflecting on scripture. Lord, we thank you for pushing us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, humbly, and attentively. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this order in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So Lorraine, if you could give us, if you could read for us please the, the Gospel for this morning. And this morning's Gospel is taken from chapter 2 of Luke, verses 1 to 20. Now at this time, Caesar Augustus issued a decree for a census of the whole world to be taken. This census, the first, took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to be registered. So Joseph set out from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, and travelled up to Judea, to the town of David, called Bethlehem, since he was of David's house and line, in order to be registered together with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them at the inn. In the countryside close by there were shepherds who lived in the fields and took it in turns to watch their flocks during the night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. They were terrified, but the angel said, Do not be afraid. Listen, I bring you news of great joy a joy to be shared by the whole people. Today, in the town of David, 
a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And here is a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, with the angel, there was a great throng of the heavenly host praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest, and peace to people who enjoy his favour. Now when the angels had gone from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried away and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw the child, they repeated what they had been told about him, and everyone who heard it was astonished at what the shepherds had to say. As for Mary, she treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was exactly as they had been told. Thanks very much for that, Lorraine. Um, I suppose one of the challenges we have when we come to do this reflection every year on the Christmas Gospel is the fact, of course, that the story of it is so much part of who we are as Christians. And it's something that, you know, even children um, will know. They'll know the story of Christmas. You know, and it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, it's one that kind of probably needs to be explored and stretched out a small bit for us. Exactly, we kind of know the story, so we don't reflect on it too much. I know what happened back in Bethlehem. Exactly, and that's and that's and that's the challenge of it, I suppose. And there's a there's a there's a, a risk that familiarity, I suppose, can breed contempt. And I suppose when we were when I was reflecting on this gospel um, during during the week, and we had decided we were going to do the full the full account of the of the of the infancy of the infancy narrative, I suppose there was a couple of things that came into my mind, and I was trying to figure out where to go with them. And I suppose. There were a couple of questions. And the first one that struck me this morning was, what would a mother living with her children in a hotel room in Ireland today make of that gospel this morning? Or the other question that struck me was, what would a refugee living in direct provision in Ireland today make of that good news this morning? Or what would a woman going through a crisis pregnancy in Ireland today make of that gospel this morning? Because very much so, the Christmas gospel is about those who are on the margins. We tend to sanitize it a small bit and we tend to wrap it in tinsel. Um, because it's a story, it's a, happy, it's a story of a, birth, a child being born. It's a happy story. You know, the birth of a child is generally a happy story for the parents involved. But if you look at it in some ways, the story of the birth of Christ is very much a revolutionary kind of a story. Child is born on the edges of what is the Roman Empire. And Luke begins his gospel by putting it in a temporal context for us. He speaks about Caesar Augustus and the census being taken and Quirinius was governor of Syria, and very much puts it in that kind of a context of time and space. 
And you're kind of going, well, so what? And that's important because at the time, Caesar Augustus was the emperor and you had the Pax Romana, the Pax Augusti, which was the peace of the Roman Empire. And it had allowed a period of stability and prosperity to, to uh, that was happening that gave structure to people's lives. And at the same time, Augustus, Luke is contrasting Augustus against the birth of, child, of the child Jesus because Augustus was described as the saviour of the world. He was the he was made a god by the Roman Senate, and this whole contrast that Luke is presenting to us, and it's something which struck me this week because we're very much in a, pe- a, t- a period at the moment where we talk about the Pax Americana, or the, the 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 benefit of seventy years of peace of the European Union, and the sense that we're in a fragile place at this minute in time, where if we look around us, we're kind of wondering, well. Where is it all going and what's it all going to be about? You know, because the other side of it is, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to be delivered and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And I suppose if you're reflecting on those last few words, no room for them in the inn, you know, it reminds you, I suppose, the, the gospel that people will hear at Christmas Mass this morning will be the gospel from St. John, where it says he came to his own home and his own people received him not. You know, or it echoes that line that Christ had in, his, in the gospel himself, where he says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And even when he died, he was crucified outside the city walls. And I suppose it should cause us to pause and reflect, you know, pause and reflect, where are the outsiders in our world today, in our own community? We don't have to go out beyond the borders of Ireland to see where it is, you know, and why? how would they feel listening to that gospel this morning? And I think, and I would hope that they would get a degree of hope from that gospel this morning. Like, it's not something to be depressed and dispirited about. It is the Christmas gospel. It is a gospel of hope. Because the thing about it is, from the minute that he was born, Jesus belongs to the outside. He's outside those who are important and powerful as the world sees them. You know, I I, I was reading last night a reflection. It said, this unimportant and powerless child proves to be the truly powerful one. The one on whom ultimately Everything depends. And, you know, it's that whole idea of the Christmas story. It's so huge in what it's saying to us. That in this simple babe, in this babe of Bethlehem, you know, we are seeing something huge that's happening for us. That God has become man. We've heard that expression so often. The power of it absolutely escapes us at times. Because, you know, the prophet Micah had predicted that the the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. And, you know, the way it just worked out, Joseph had to go and register there for the census and he took Mary with him. And Christ Jesus was born there. And it's something, you know, that's so simple in many respects, but it's so hopeful. And that would be the thing. Because we have to recover our sense of hope. 
more and more as we listen and look around the world that's there today. People, I going back, John, to that gospel reflection we did at the very beginning of Advent. And the first gospel we did, we had Bishop Donald McCune on the program. And the gospel that week was from the closing chapters of Luke's gospel. And it spoke about the end of times and people dying of fear. And for some reason, that gospel has stayed with me over the Christmas, over the Advent period. And just the reminder to ourselves that when we look around the world, it's challenging, it's scary. There's no two ways around it. There's a lot going on that people could be upset about. But why is Christmas so important? Why is the Christmas story so key for us? And the reason is that babe has been born for us. God has come into the world for us and it should be a message of hope. And that is what we need to remember this Christmas morning. You know, we, you know, the, the, the promotion of fear that's there at times when people are trying to exclude the others from our community, be they the refugee or the immigrant or the migrant or those on the periphery, those that are homeless, the traveling community, whatever it is, creating factions and factionalism. The idea of Christmas is, you know, that whole idea when a baby is born, no matter what the divisions in the fam- a family are about how the child comes to be born, when the child is born, you will see it uniting people together because of the, what, what, we, what do we react to? We react to the innocence of the child, the beauty, the simplicity of the child, but also the hope that's there with a new life that has come into the world, you know? And this whole idea, I suppose, of fear is also picked up in the gospel because we're talking about the shepherds, you know, living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And uh, God forgive me, every time I hear that, I think of that song, uh, um, Shepherds Wash Their Socks by Night. But anyway, (laughs) but in terms of the gospel, I suppose, what's it saying to us? And I suppose we need to be careful as well because about about the poor old shepherds. Um, They're the first witnesses. They're the ones that are keeping watch. And, you know, Jesus was born outside the city of Bethlehem in the stable, as we know. So obviously the people that were physically close to the event would be the ones that the angels would call to the manger. But it's also they are amongst the poorest and the most simple souls, if you like, that Jesus would bless. Um, And the description that was made was they were the represent the poor of Israel, the poor in general, God's first love. You know, and it's something uh, that should be of hope because it's not the wise theologians and it's not the wealthy of the world that God will look to first, but those that are the simple, you know. And not, I don't mean that in a derogatory term. I mean those that have the basics of life and worry about trying to survive. You know, like I said at the start of the program about, you know, that mother living with her children in a hotel room in Ireland or the refugee living in direct provision. And the key message of the gospel this morning for us is the message of the angels. Do not be afraid. I am bringing you news of great joy for all people. And it was that word that jumped out at me. All people that really kind of hit the nail on the head for me this morning because do not be afraid. The news is for all people to share. And it's just, it's a news of great joy that we need to recover that sense of enthusiasm about it. Because I suppose one of the things that I, in Ireland in particular is because 
so many people are cradle Catholics. We think we know it all when it comes to our faith. But to discover and rediscover it is a journey that we have, that we should undertake every day, not just something we've done once and sure we know it all. Because it's a journey into a relationship. And anyone that's been in a relationship knows it's not the same from day to day. It grows, it develops, it matures, and that should be our relationship with our faith and with God. And sometimes we forget that. And the whole thing about it is that, you know, when you look to the shepherds, they were the outcasts of Israel. They were on the, not the outcasts of Israel, they were on the margins of Israeli, of Israel society. But they were the first to whom the message was brought. And they were told, there will be a sign for you. What are the signs for us in the world today? For the, for the, for the shepherds, it was a very simple one. It was a child wrapped in swaddling, swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. The manger, the place where the animals would eat. And I, there's a beautiful reflection from Pope Benedict XVI where he talks about the manger and reflects on it that Christ became the bread of life for us to eat. You know, or you know, the firstborn of all creation, as Paul puts it in his letter to the Corinthians. So we have this idea of, and then they went in haste to see this sign. You know, where is our exuberance? Where is our passion for that relationship with God this Christmas morning? When we reflect on the crib and we look at what is a very simple scene, a mother and child and father. Where is our exuberance in it? And I suppose it's something, you know, that like Mary, we need to treasure all these things and ponder them in our heart. And I suppose it's something, that whole idea of kind of searching and re-engaging and thinking, like the text of Christmas Day is not something that happened just 2,000 years ago. It's that coming of Christ into our own hearts every day is what we're asked to reflect on. That, you know, Christmas is often about the children. But that's the whole secret. We are supposed to be childlike, not childish, childlike to greet the babe of Bethlehem. Thanks for that, Jane. Um, yeah, while reflecting on the gospel this week, and just before just before I go into this, Lorraine mentioned at the start and Shane did too, you know, that listen. Sometimes we can say, oh, well, I've heard this gospel before and so on and so forth. But as Father Frank reflected with us a few weeks ago and we had our Lecture Divina program, often for those of us at Lecture Divina, when we read the gospel again and again and again, the Spirit seems to alert us to some other aspect of the gospel, some other thought and so on and so forth. For me today, anyway, for some reason, I, I, was, I started to focus in on the shepherds. Their life was centred around working in the wilderness and minding sheep, often threatened with toll by robbers and wild animals. They were seen by the Jews at the time as untrustworthy, dirty, to be kept away from the inclusion in society. Yet these shepherds, held in such low esteem by the Jews, were among the first people to be chosen, as Shane said early on, as to be the evangelizers of the world. We're told that the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. We're then told that they were terrified. Let's think about that for a minute. How would we react if an angel of the Lord appeared to us and the glory of the Lord appeared to us? We'd have the same feeling. Why me? I'm only a shepherd, or I can only do this, and I don't know the gospel inside out, and this sort of thing doesn't happen to me. This only happens to holy people. That's some, sometimes that's the thought we have. But let's see what happens next. 
The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen, I bring you news of great joy, a joy to be shared by all the people. Shane mentioned that word a few times. A good, good news of great joy to be shared by all the people. As usual, the Lord does not leave us alone in our trouble. His angel says these lovely words to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, I have wonderful news to tell you. We all would be calmed when we hear that, when we hear about good news in times of trouble. Especially when we're told it's news of great joy. No doubt the shepherds were used to hearing bad news in their time, just as we are now. But we're also meant to hear those words spoken by the angel, Do not be afraid. But then the Gospel goes on and it says, But then the word that I've heard very loud today, as far as I'm concerned, it uses the word listen. Just as the shepherds were asked, we're also asked to listen to what is before us in the word of God. Then we hear why we need not be afraid. We'll hear about this great news, this news, this news that Shane said that be shared by all the people. This is what the shepherds done. The angels told them, what this great joy was. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born for you. He's Christ the Lord. We sometimes don't realise what an important statement that is. This is what I was thinking anyway. We tend to skip to the manger scene, not thinking about what, what that statement meant. A saviour has been born for you. The creator of the world has come into this world. And he sent someone to save us from the consequences of our lives. We know him as Jesus, Son of God. He must really love us to send his Son. This is the gift God gave us and is giving us every day. We have to be so thankful every moment of our lives for this gift. Maybe we can, we can do like the great song, throng who joined the angel did, praise God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace to men of, of his favour. I suppose the thought that crossed me as I come to the end of this reflection is, what praise or song would I like to offer God as a gift he's given me today? Maybe take a, a moment, maybe throughout the day, to think of what gift we'd like to give Jesus today. We know his gift, the gift from God, was to give his son Jesus for us. And as Shane told us, we're told that the shepherds hurried to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw the child, they repeated what they had been told to him. And everyone who was there was astonished. Think about that. The shepherds, the poor little shepherds, went to bring this beautiful news. And everyone was there was astonished. And then the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they'd seen. It was exactly, exactly as they were told. So to finish this Christmas, what might be thoughts, we can often have this idea that we are shepherds. Life has not been good to me, or as others. My health is a worry, and my health these days are a concern to my family. I have a tough job, and all these worries and concerns that overwhelm us, and we don't know where to turn. For me, and maybe for us today, maybe like the angel said to the shepherds, listen, I bring you great news. My God, who loves me, has sent a saviour to look after me. Yes, things do not turn out the way I'd hoped, but I believe God loves me. He will give me the strength to carry on. So let's all be like these shepherds. Let's go out and tell everyone the great news of joy. A little prayer maybe to finish off. Father, what an amazing night the shepherds had. To have a glimpse of your heavenly glory. To hear a mighty army chant your praise. 
to sing to see the Messiah child, to listen to the angel recite his, his glorious titles, Saviour, Messiah, Lord. And so we say thank you for letting us hear this story again. Write it large and indelibly on our hearts that we might always praise and thank God for all he's done for us. That's my little few thoughts on that now. I think it, to the end. Yeah, as 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 you were saying, John, that I love that idea that it's it's for all of us, you know. And I think that's something that we we um we need to think about and reflect on. One of the great um readings that's associated with Christmas Day is uh what's a traditional sermon from Pope Saint Leo. I just wanted to read out one or two lines for us, uh, for people. This is the day our Saviour was born. What a joy for us, my beloved. This is no season for sadness. This the birthday of life. The life which annihilates the fear of death and engenders joy, promising as it does immortality. Nobody is an outsider to this happiness. The same cause for joy is common to all. Let the saint rejoice, for he hastens to his crown. Let the sinner be filled with joy, for pardon is offered to him. Let the Gentile be emboldened, for he is called to life. And I just think, you know, it's on this on this Christmas morning, the gospel of the day can be familiar to us. I would say, folks, if you get a chance, have a look at it. Have a read over it. It'll be, you know, think about it for just a minute or two today. And as we now listen to that Lorraine, have you something to... Just a short one, but just before we go to our yeah. piece of music. I came across this on um, Facebook. You know there's a lot of rubbish on social media, but there's quite some lovely pieces as well. It was shared by the Limerick group of the Random Acts of Kindness. Now, you know, in a kind of a social media type of world, we talk about Random Acts of Kindness. What we're really talking about is love at the heart of every single one of those. And at Christmas time, we light loads of candles or we put the lights on the tree um the important light that we bring to the world is not a fake light it is the light of love and this is just a little reflection by Elor Nost which i think touches on a lot of what our contributors have been saying this morning the reason that we have caused to be joyful is because we are loved and this is my invitation to you listening this morning do not be dismayed by the brokenness in the world all things break And all things can be mended, not with time, as they say, but with intention. So go, love intentionally, extravagantly, unconditionally. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is you. Thanks, Lorraine. And I think that's a beautiful way just to finish up our gospel reflection so this morning. And our next piece of music is very appropriate for Christmas morning. And as is traditional on Eckerd Space, we play it after the gospel reflection. And it is, of course, O Holy Night. And this year we're listening to Emer Quinn singing it. Uh, and she is accompanied by Niall Martin on the Illan Pipes. And it's taken from Merry Christmas Carol.
rendition of Oh Holy Night by Emer Quinn. Next up, we have The Christmas Message by Bishop Brendan Leahy, a great friend of the programme, whom we're delighted to have on again, followed by a beautiful and haunting rendition of Silent Night, Osquilga, Iha Kyun by Enya. This year, the Silent Night song celebrates 200 years of existence. It was composed by Father Joseph Moore, a young priest in Austria. There had been terrible violence in Salzburg in the summer of 1816, and he wrote Silent Night as a reflection on peace. Two years later, on Christmas Eve, his friend Franz Xavier Gruber, a schoolteacher and organist, set the words to music. Together in the small town of Oberndorf, they first performed the song. Moore singing and Gruber playing the guitar because the church organ was broken. And the rest is history. The Silent Night song spread in popularity throughout the world. It has been translated into 300 languages. We know that the Christmas carol was used, for instance, to build up people's spirits, the spirits of the soldiers getting together for a short Christmas respite from fighting in 1914 during the the First World War. It is indeed, of course, a soothing and peaceful Christmas carol. It speaks about sleeping in heavenly peace. But a key phrase in the carol comes in the third verse. Son of God, loves pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace. The reference to the dawn speaks of hope, new light, new beginnings. The night is over, a new day is coming. There can be situations in life when we, or those we love, feel imprisoned in our past. Christmas wants to say to us, you don't have to be imprisoned. God has entered into your life. God has entered our world. God has entered the world of those you love. He has come and he is the dawn of redeeming grace. Trust in him. You can reach out beyond any situation of sin or division or suffering. He has come precisely to redeem you, to redeem your relationships, To redeem, that's what he came to do. In other words, to free, to break open, to overcome any obstacle we might feel. It helps us to remember that if God has come as a redeeming dawn for us, he's also come for those around us, particularly those people, for instance, for whom we might least get on with. As somebody said to me recently, It's great to remember that not only does God love me immensely, but he also loves each person I meet immensely. So as we celebrate Christmas this year, let's remember the Christmas carol, Silent Night, that celebrates its 200th birthday. And let's remember it's not just a song about peace of 200 years ago. It's about peace in our hearts. But it's also a statement that the dawn of redeeming grace, has come for everyone. What's more, it tells us that each of us can be a dawn of redeeming grace for those we meet by going out to love them, being there for them, practically showing, just like Jesus did, that if we're the first to love, we can bring a change. That's how we can sing our silent night, not with our voices or playing it on the guitar, but communicating it with our lives, 
I wish you a happy Christmas, a blessed Christmas for you and your family. That was Inya singing Ihechun or Silent Night, uh, closing out that reflection and, bis- and Christmas message from Bishop Brendan Leahy, the Bishop of Limerick. And now we move on to our uh, last reflection uh, for this Christmas program uh, for 2018. It's been a very quick two hours, guys, don't you think? And of course, it would not be appropriate if we didn't finish a Christmas program this year where we had didn't have a reflection, of course, on the World Meeting of Families, which was held in August in Dublin. So to give us a reflection on World Meeting of Families 2018, uh, we have a, a enough reflection now from Mary Keating. And uh, then we'll come back to you after that. Uh, good morning, John, and listeners to Sacred Space. Um, As a Christmas reflection this year, 2018, I thought it would be lovely to share once again some of the wonderful words of Pope Francis uh, during his visit to Ireland in August for the World Meeting of Families. Christmas is a very special time of of focus on the family, and rightly so, as Jesus became incarnate in our world through a family. The baby Jesus, his mother Mary, and his foster father Joseph, the Holy Family, as seen in all of our cribs, in our homes and churches, and illustrated on many of the Christmas cards we will have received and sent over the last few weeks. 
so it is fitting this Christmas morning as families gather to celebrate Christmas together to listen again to some of Pope Francis's words to families and about families. Pope Francis based the entire world meeting of families on the theme, the gospel of family, joy for the world. He said that families are the love in the heart of the church. The gospel of the family is truly joy for the world, since there, in our families, Jesus can always be found, dwelling in simplicity as he did in the home of the Holy Family in Nazareth. This joy of God's love can be expressed within our families in simple words like please, thank you and sorry, and without words in little acts of kindness, gentleness and tenderness in our daily routines and in the simple moments of our days. Pope Francis said, Faith is passed on in everyday speech, the speech of the home, everyday life, life in the family. During um, Pope Francis' time in the pro-cathedral in Dublin, where he met uh, um, newly married couples and young families, uh, he heard a little baby crying and he referred to the sound of the babies crying um, as the loveliest of music. He said it was a sign of hope and trust, a sign of fruitful love, a sign that life goes on. And against the background of that, then, he encouraged all families, all parents uh, to have their children baptised as soon as possible for a very special reason, he said, so that uh, they can become part of the great family of God, a family where we care for everyone, rejoicing with those who are rejoicing and weeping with those who are grieving. And sadly, that is the reality for many families this morning who may be listening to us or families who are known to all of us. And we want to let them know that we extend our special love and care to them this morning from the Sacred Space Studio. Uh, Pope Francis also uh, encouraged parents to teach their children to make the sign of the cross and to make it well in a respectful way as soon as possible because that is their very first act of faith. He also said that it is important to pray together as a family, to speak of good and holy things in our home, to let Mary into our lives, to celebrate feast days of Christian people and to live in deep solidarity with those who suffer. He encouraged us to share with the poor of the world from what we have, not from what we have left over. And again, if I may just uh, uh, use that opportunity then of those words of Saint Fr- of Pope Francis to remind people who may have forgotten to do so and uh, that there are many charities who ask for our support at Christmas time. And this help allows them to reach out on our behalf to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need of shelter, just indeed like the Holy Family were, in need of a place to stay and in need of food and in need of clothing. And these charities need our help at Christmas time and they also need it throughout the year. And when we help them, we are doing what Pope Francis asked families to do, to share with the poor. He also reminded us of the preciousness of all life. And he spoke a lot of the importance of valuing the elderly members of our families and of societies. He said, a society that does not value grandparents is a society that has no future. Grandparents and all older people are a treasury of wisdom and great examples 
of hope and faith-filled with faith-filled witness to the younger generations. In a couple of weeks' time, in our Gospels, we will hear of uh, uh, the older peep couple, uh, Simeon and Anna, and their role in the life of the Holy Family. And we all have older relatives and friends who have a very important uh, role to play in our family lives. And this, again, is another prompt this Christmas morning, uh, maybe to visit an elderly relative, neighbour or friend, in their home or nursing home uh, during this Christmas season and indeed throughout ordinary time also, and to thank them for the, their example, their witness and their wisdom. In speaking of families, uh, uh, Pope Francis uh, wants us to be in no doubt that he is very well aware of the joys and the struggles of family life. Just as Jesus himself was, he came to live among us, he lived in a family, he lived among us and uh, as a human being. So Pope Francis is is equally very aware that there is no such thing as an ideal family that drops down perfect from heaven and remains so. During his time in Dublin, he heard the witness of several families in during the Festival of Families in Croke Park, outlining their different um, struggles in their family life. And he also met with homeless people at Brother Kevin's uh, centre um, in Dublin. And he met with uh, families, uh, newly married couples, engaged couples, young families, older um, married couples in the pro-cathedral. So he was he's, was he's well aware of everything that goes on in family life. And it's against that background that he offered all his words of encouragement and hope. So um, and being aware of that, then in the apparition chapel in Knock, he said uh, that he lifted up to Our Lady's loving intercession all the families of the world and in a special way, our families in Ireland. He said that Mary knows the joys and the struggles in each home and holding them in her immaculate heart, she brings them with love to the throne of her son. So that's all most reassuring to families, especially families this Christmas morning who might be, you know, uh, struggling a little bit with the whole uh, joy of Christmas. Now, and finally, John, um, Pope Francis also uh, spoke about um, um, the importance of acknowledging um, the role of our bishops and our priests and our religious um, in Ireland. And he thanked them for their efforts in very challenging times uh, for persevering in their ministry as heralds of the gospel, the good news, the good news of God's love for us and um, and uh, in their work as shepherds of Christ's flock. So I thought on this Christmas morning, when we all have heard again at Christmas Mass last night or this morning, or if we have been unable to uh, go out to our local church, maybe we tuned in to Mass on the radio or on the television, or maybe we had a visit from our our priest during First Friday call or pre-Christmas visit, bringing us the good news the birth of the Son of God into our world to save us through love. So against that background, we thank Bishop Brendan and all the priests of the Diocese of Limerick for their ministry to us in our different parishes and in our various needs during 2018. And following the example of Pope Francis, we offer them our thanks and our support and our prayer and we wish them a very happy Christmas. 
So, John and listeners, I hope that this recap of the words of Pope Francis will bring renewed joy and hope and encouragement this Christmas morning. And I'll finish now by reading uh, the official prayer for the World Meeting of Families, which many families prayed in preparation for the World Meeting of Families and during the time. And it's such a beautiful prayer that it would be nice to remind people of it again. And maybe we would continue to pray this prayer throughout 2019. So I'll finish with this prayer and wish everyone a happy and a holy Christmas. God, our Father. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus, your Son, one family in the spirit of your love. Bless us with the joy of love. Make us patient and kind, gentle and generous, welcoming to those in need. Help us to live your forgiveness and peace. Protect all families with your loving care, especially those for whom we now pray this Christmas morning. Increase our faith, strengthen our hope, keep us safe in your love. Make us always grateful for the gift of life that we share. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Mary, Mother and Guide, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Father and Protector, pray for us. Saints Joachim and Anne, pray for us. Saints Louis and Zelie Martin, pray for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Mary, again, for such a beautiful reflection on the World Meeting of Families. Just so wonderful. And thank you again to all our contributors who went out of their way to do quite a bit of work on reflecting on various themes of Christmas and especially on the Gospel, of course. So to finish off the programme, Shane, do you want to say anything to our listeners, wishing them a happy Christmas? And Not at all. We keep it simple. That's what they say. So just to wish everyone um, every blessing of the Babe of Bethlehem for Christmas and for the new year. And uh, to hope that uh, you don't overindulge on the turkey today and make sure you get out for a walk in the afternoon. I know my mother, if she will listen this morning, she'll be grinning at that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and Anne, thanks a lot for staying with us this morning. Any little message you want to give people? Thank you very much indeed, and wishing you all the best for Christmas and 2019. Lovely. All the best. And of course, Lorraine. Yes, just a little reminder again to bring that light out into the world, to love extravagantly, abundantly and intentionally this year, especially for those relatives who need that type of love. <laughs> thank you very much, Neil Lorraine. And of course, for myself, thank you indeed for joining us, in fact, for this uh, for this particular programme and for the year 2018. And we're going to go out with a piece of music that we play each year, but this one is especially for those people, uh, our loyal uh, listeners who stay with us each week, those who are struggling, those who are sick, those who have one problem or another this year, we'll go out with this beautiful piece of music, and this is from ourselves to yourself. Joy to the World by Charlotte Church. Bye. Bye.
Sacred Space.